Well, good morning. Great job, Maya and Jacob. Thank you, Rachel, for your leading worship. It's not easy to lead worship by yourself, but you did a great job. Thank you. Yeah. Well, again, good morning. My name is Matt Timpson. I'm so glad uh, that you're here um, and that I can share God's Word with you this morning. I don't know if I've ever been in a service with about 25 people before, um, but this, I feel like we should do school. Like, come in the middle. We've got to gather closer, but... Uh, this way, there's lots of room to stand and dance and whatever, or leave as Rachel's doing. You know, whatever you want to do, you're welcome to. <laughs> um, at the end of uh, the sermon today, we're going to be taking communion. If you don't yet have a communion elements, it's just outside the door. Um, Dana calls the bread cardboard, so it's, it's, they're, they're not the best, but, uh, uh, but they certainly work. It's nice to have them, a little COVID-friendly option. So we'll do that at the end of the service. I just want to mention, too, for those who are watching online, um, I often mention this, that I have Tourette syndrome. I don't mention that to draw attention to myself. I don't like to do that. But I don't want to draw attention away from what God has to say to us today. So if you see me moving, you'll know why. Funny story, I help coach Nathan's baseball team, a, a U18 rep team. Our head coach, Steve, usually coaches third base, but he was away a couple of weeks ago. So I coach third base. So you guys know you do signals, right? to tell the batter, so you have to do signals, and I, we went over what the signals were, and I said, now, you guys have to decipher if I'm telling you to steal or if it's a tick, so good luck with that. So there was a couple stolen bases that I didn't call for, but we, we won the game 23 to two or something, so it ended up being okay. <laughs> uh, it certainly would throw off the other team, wouldn't it? Are you a good gardener? Are you good at gardening? I'm not particularly, yes, good. I enjoy cutting the grass, doing the trimming, pulling dead leaves and weeds out of the garden. And I love looking at the lilies, the flowers, the bushes, the tall grasses that Donna takes care of. Pruning, cutting back and caring for the garden is not really my strength. Well, we have a nice vine that grows at the back wall of our house in the backyard. Recently, we had a new central air conditioning unit put in and it sits right at the wall at the base of the vine. The vine was intruding a little bit into the area of where the air conditioning unit was gonna go, um, so where it was gonna be installed, so I had to trim back the branches. Oh, I don't think I put this on. There's the result. As you can see, it's now brown and dead. As I was cutting back the thick branches down low, I actually cut the main vine that feeds all the branches. The result, as you can see, was not very good. Don and Dana were sitting in the backyard having lunch one day, and Dana says, hey, wasn't that vine green just yesterday? Fortunately, the root of the vine is still okay, so I'm hoping that it's going to come back in the next year or so. Incidentally, I did the same thing to a bush out back here at the Connect Center, which was really nice. So Heather Ann has told me that under no uncertain circumstances can I touch the bushes at Connect Center ever again. So there you go. Don't hire me for your gardening. You know who's a much better gardener than I am? God is. He's the perfect gardener or vine dresser, as we'll see in the passage we're going to look at today. I wonder if God allowed this thing with our vine in the backyard to happen, knowing I was going to speak on this passage today. Let's open in prayer. God, we thank you that you are ever-present with us. I thank you, Lord, that you are here this morning. I was struck again this morning as we sang, holy, 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 the thrice holy God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are present with us, God, and we thank you for that. 
As we speak this morning, Lord, I pray that we will learn just a little bit more about being connected to the vine and you, Father, the vine dresser, being over top of us. Lord, my prayer this morning is that we'll go away just a little bit different than we came. And Lord, may your Holy Spirit speak to each one here, each one watching online. What you're going to say to them might be different to each person, but I just pray, Lord, that your words would shine through. Um, what's of me, Lord, may it be forgotten, and what's of you, may it touch hearts and change hearts this morning. Amen. Over the past 16 to 18 months, we've gone through a very unusual time of a global pandemic caused by COVID-19, as I'm sure most of you are aware. The normal patterns of our lives have been completely disrupted. Many of us are now working from home, so interpersonal interactions have decreased significantly. Extracurricular activities like going to the gym, playing team sports, going to a movie, to the library, to a shopping mall, to a restaurant with friends have either been restricted or have been eliminated. Church worship, worship services have carried on online, which has been great, where you can watch from home with a coffee in hand, maybe with your pajamas on, or in the church building, but as you can see, with masks and without the ability to um, shake hands, to hug, or to sit beside someone else than your, other than your own home. So you, things have been changing, obviously, in the last 18 months. How have you been doing during this past year, past 16 months, staying connected to Christ? Has the change in pace given you opportunity to get closer to God, or has it been more difficult to stay connected to him? As things seem to be getting more and more back to pre-pandemic conditions, Lord willing, I thought it would be great to talk about this passage in John 15, 1-17, where Jesus tells his disciples, including us today, that he is the true vine, and, that, and what it means for us to be branches and to be connected to that vine. Before we read it, I want to give you a little bit of context. In John chapters 14 to 16, Jesus is speaking directly to the disciples, to his disciples, just before his betrayal, arrest, and crucifixion. He has just washed the disciples' feet, told them that um, one of them will betray him, told Peter he's going to deny them three times that very night, and told them that the Holy Spirit, um, he's going to be sending the Holy Spirit their way to dwell in them when he goes. So just a little bit of information, right? Actually, it was a lot of information they weren't ready to take in at that point, but nonetheless, he dropped it on them, and he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who will bring these things back to remembrance. And he did. He brought them back to John's remembrance, and we're going to read that right now. Then Jesus starts into this discourse about a metaphor of the vine. Let's read it from the ESV. Okay, as we read this, see if you can pick up kids. Um, there's a lot of kids here, or a few kids. Um, see if you can pick up the three main characters in this story, okay? As we read through it. <coughs> Excuse me. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. My main point this morning that I hope you will see today um, is that as believers and followers, we find complete joy and love and are most fruitful when we have union with Christ and God the Father is continually pruning us. So to flesh this out, we have to look at the three characters in the passage. Did you see them? First one is the vine dresser, God the Father. Second one is the true vine, Jesus the Son. And the last one is the branches, the believers. But there's two kinds of those we're going to look at. There's true faithful believers and there was counterfeits. Let's look at the first one. In this story, Jesus... Um, sorry, in this story, Jesus does not immediately start with abide in me and I in you. Instead, before getting to that, he makes it clear that there is a vine dresser above all else. The vine dresser is the gardener or the farmer, which of course is God the Father. What are his characteristics? The vine dresser loves the son, verse 9. He talks to the son, verse 15. Takes direction, sorry, gives direction to the son, verse 10. The vine dresser has two prominent roles that John lays out in verse 2. One is to cut off branches that are not bearing fruit, and the second one is to prune those that are. Let's take a look at the first one. In verse 2, it says that every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And verse 6 further tells us that those branches are collected up, gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. What is he talking about here? Is he saying that as believing Christians, if we are not bearing enough fruit, we can be thrown away and burned up. In other words, we can lose our salvation if we're not producing enough. No, in the context of the rest of John, Jesus is not talking about true believers that are not being fruitful and being cut off and losing their salvation, because that's the way some people would interpret this passage. This is not consistent with Scripture. Right here in the book of John, we can see that is not what Scripture says. So John 6, 37 says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. And John 10, 27 to 30 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. All right. Thank you, Bill. Nothing can snatch us away. <clears throat> Excuse me. Also, as I mentioned earlier, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in these chapters in 14 to 16. And just beforehand, he had washed the disciples' feet 
and told them that he knew one of them was a counterfeit follower, which of course was Judas. So I believe the branches Jesus is talking about being cut away in verse 2 and thrown away and burned in the fire in verse 6 are those who claim to be a follower of Christ but have not actually determined in their heart to follow him. They are fruitless in their lives. They are not actually connected to the vine and are not bearing fruit. They are counterfeits. That can look genuine, but at a closer look are not really genuine. You know, before I started working here at the church, I worked at the bank. I was a foreign currency trader. As a trader, we traded physical currency. We traded the banknotes. So when we bought and sold, we physically shipped them. So one of my jobs was to do counterfeit training, counterfeit seminars. So I would go down to Las Vegas, and we would have all the, the, the casino managers of all the, of all the casinos. Yes, I got to go to Las Vegas in February. It was terrible. Um, God may have to deal with me for dealing with casinos, but, you know, so, so be it. So we would do these seminars. At the seminars, an agent from the Federal Reserve would be there, an agent from the RCMP would be there, I would be there, and we would explain what counterfeits are like to the casinos. They looked genuine. Counterfeits are getting better and better. They look like the real thing at a, at a quick look. At a closer look, they're not. If you hold up a counterfeit, there's the lines on the face or the wording. It's got concentric lines. It's very clear. If you look at a counterfeit, they'll be a little bit blurry. There's watermarks that you have to hold up to the light. A counterfeit can't do that. Um, there's the feel of the paper. The exact texture of the paper can never be completely 100% um, counterfeited. So they, at a closer look, they can be seen as being counterfeit. The only way a banknote could be genuine is if it was made at the press of the Federal Reserve or on the press of the, of the Canadian Mint. That's the only way that they can be truly be real. Do you see the connection? True fruit can only be displayed if it's connected to the true vine, and the vine dresser can always spot a counterfeit. So do we still have people like that among us today in the church? Yes, I believe we do. I'm not talking necessarily about Milton Bible Church. I'm talking about the church as a whole. But there are those who claim to be followers of Christ, play the part, but in their heart know that they are not actually followers of Christ. And as a result, they are branches that are not bearing fruit. God will cast them away one day. The second role of the vine dresser is to prune. Pruning is the cutting back of a vine when necessary in order for it to bear, much, to bear more fruit. It's not doing what I did in our backyard. Church, when we become believers and followers of Christ, we are sealed in him for eternity. Um, and as we looked at in the verses in John 6 and John 10. That's why in verse 6, Jesus says, Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. What is the word? The word is Jesus himself. John 1, John 1 starts off with, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Then in 1.14 it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So as, um, so as verse 3 in our passage says, we are already clean when we believe in Christ. We are secure and sealed in our relationship with him and our eternity with him. But it's not just a one and done deal. I have my tickets now, I'm just going to wait for the train, wait for God to come and take me um, someday to be with him. No, we go through the process of sanctification, which means the process of becoming more and more holy, more and more set apart. John 17, 16 to 19 says, they, meaning his disciples, meaning us, are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. 
your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so have, I, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself so they also may be sanctified in truth. God is continually pruning us so that we will bear even more fruit, become more holy and more set apart for him. How does he prune us? One way is through pain, suffering, persecution in our lives. I preached a number of months ago on the promise of suffering that is going to come to each and every one of us. This is one vehicle that God often uses for pruning us. Another, I believe, is through the continual reading of his word and being in prayerful communion with God. The word of God convicts the soul and speaks directly to it. I had that very experience this week as I was preparing for this sermon today. God convicted me of sinful attitudes in my life that have to be pruned back so that I can grow in Christ-likeness and produce more fruit going forward. If God is pruning you, if he is chipping away at you, and you are learning the hard lessons of better seeing your sinful ways, then rest assured that God is at work in you and you are secure in him. His pruning means that you are his son, that you are his daughter. Too often, I think, we get this backwards. Pruning, and at times it is painful, should not make us wonder if we are abiding in Christ. It is actually proof that we are. So that is the twofold role of the vine dresser in our story, to cut off and to prune. The second character um, in the metaphor is, kids, who's the second character? The vine dresser and then? No one? The vine, the true vine, um, which of course is Jesus, the son. Look how Jesus starts off this whole section in John 15. I am the true vine. First, he uses the term I am. This is the seventh I am statement in the book of John that Jesus makes about himself. The others were, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And now in chapter 15, I am the true vine. By the way, if you want to get back more connected to the vine, if you're new in the faith, if you have not made a commitment to Christ, start here. Start reading the book of John and look specifically at these I am statements. They're wonderful. The Jewish disciples hearing Jesus speak and those um, first hearing this word from, from John that was written down would, of course, immediately have made the connection um, when Jesus uses the statement, I am. They would have made the, commitment, the, the, the connection to God using the same phrase in Exodus 3 when Moses asks what he should say to the people of Israel when he goes to them and tells them that God has sent them. God says, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you, has sent me to you. So Jesus uses the same term. So Jesus's use of the same term would certainly have got their attention. Then he says, I am the true vine. What he is doing here is redeeming the negative image of the vine from the Old Testament as the nation of Israel. In Jeremiah 2.21, speaking of Israel as a nation, it says, yet I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed, how then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? And there's lots of other references in the Old Testament to the vine. So Christ is establishing that he is the true vine. Where the nation of Israel was sinful and fell away, he is the one and only true vine that we are connected to. All who believe in Christ are now branches of this one true vine. We, as Christ, we are Christ's body. We are his church, his chosen people, all believers, Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter. Where a physical nation failed, 
this new nation under the true vine will not. All you have to do is read the book of Romans, the book of uh, 1 Peter, which I love, to clearly see this. So this true vine, in the, uh, this true vine in the metaphor um, abides in the vine dresser, in the Father. He is in perfect communion with the Father. He is fully loved by the Father, as it says in verse 9, and he is perfectly keeps the Father's commandments, as it says in verse 10. John has taken great care in laying out all of Jesus' I am statements to make it abundantly clear that Jesus is the only way to God the Father and to eternity with him. So as believers, our only way to, to, to come to Jesus and to know the Father is to abide in Christ, the true vine. That brings us to the last of our characters in the metaphorical story, the branches, which are two branches and followers of Christ. It is you and it's I. It's the church. We've already talked about how the non-fruit-bearing branches, talked about who the non-fruit-bearing branches are, um, how we as believers are already clean because we believed in the word, which is Christ, and we're continually being pruned to bear more fruit. So what is our role of branches? To abide in Christ. In doing so, he in turn will abide in us. We have an unbreakable union with Christ. So the question that comes up from our passage is, what exactly is abiding? And what is the fruit he's referring to? Abiding means living a fullness, uh, abiding means having a fullness of joy that is Christ's joy. Verse 11 in our passage says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And loving not just as Christ loves, but with his love. He loves us as the Father loves him. And his love flows through us. How do we show our love for the vine? By obedience to his commandments, just as he was obedient to his Father's commandments. Now, does that sound like it's a little bit duty-driven? Does that sound a little bit legalistic to you? But Jesus contextualizes that in verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Abiding in Christ, having continual union with him, will make us more and more fruitful in love and joy. Look at verse 11 again. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So does the fruit of love and joy sound familiar to you guys? Jim has recently finished a sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.23. And the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.23, the first two it starts with are, the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy. And then it carries on to say peace. I'd like to skip patience, but I'm not allowed to. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Fruit in our lives starts with love and joy and carries on to all these other attributes. So the, results, so the result of abiding in Christ in bearing more and more fruit so that we can join in the love and joy that God the Father and Jesus the Son share, and we can be part of that holy connection. We truly are connected to this chain of love and joy because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that John had just talked about at the end of chapter 14, which we didn't read. The more, clo the more closely we are tied to the vine, the more we feel the love and joy of the Trinity of God. And when we are close, in close union with Christ, it will lead us to praying in line with the Spirit of God 
and he will answer our prayers, as it says in verse 7 and in verse 16. Uh, D.A. Carson put it this way, those close enough to the vine will not wish to ask anything not in line with the vine himself. So our prayers will be in line with God himself as we stay connected to the vine. And if you remember, verses, nine, uh, verses 7 and 16 say, ask whatever you wish and he will, and he will answer them. So we can pray um, connected to the vine. We will have the heart of God. We don't have time to flesh that out this morning, but it's a great thought to think of prayer more as us tuning into the heart of God and seeing what he sees instead of a one-way discourse like a child-parent relationship where we ask for things and he says yes, no, maybe later. It's getting close enough in union with Christ to know the heart of the Father and to be praying what he wants us to pray. I think of fitting, that's our three characters this morning. So I think as we just close this morning, a fitting way to close would be to um, have communion together. Rachel's going to come up and Rachel's going to, uh, to play for us. Again, if you don't have a communion cup, you can pick one up. Um, those who are watching at home, please feel free to join us. We'd love to have you join us in celebrating communion together. So I just want us to take a few minutes quietly together to enjoy time connected to the vine. So three things I would just encourage you in. One, there were three different stages you might be at. One, you can use this time maybe to reconnect in a greater way with the vine. If you have drifted over the last, the past 16 months of this pandemic, use this time to soak up his love, his joy as we spend time with him. If you have been connected to the vine over the last couple of year and a half, thank him for that joy and love that you have shared in union with him and spend time um, enjoying that. If you've never truly believed in and received the love and forgiveness of God the Father through his son Jesus, you can do that now in the quiet of this time. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the true vine, the true and only vine, the only way to eternal life. If you're not sure you want to make that decision right here, right now, this morning, that's okay. I just encourage you not to take communion with us at this point, because that's only for followers of Jesus. But when you get home, after you turn off this video, read the book of John. Read the book of John and pay closely, close attention to those seven I am statements. And I know that the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. So let's just spend a couple of minutes this morning quietly enjoying the love and uh, the love and joy of God and abiding in him. Since we've been looking in the book of John this morning, 
as we take communion together, we're going to read John 6, 53 to um, 56. It's of course important to remember that Jesus is speaking metaphorically here. We do not believe we are actually eating the flesh of Jesus or drinking his blood. We are remembering him and the death he suffered so that we may be eternally connected to the vine. So if you've opened up your little cups, let's eat and let's drink together. As we're doing that, I forgot to read the passage. I'll just read it for us. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood, here's that word again, abides in me and I in him. Father, I thank you this morning that we can abide in you. Jesus, I thank you that you are the true vine. Jesus, we remember you as we take communion, that you shed your blood, that your body was sacrificed for us, God, for us today. I thank you, God. I thank you, Jesus, that you are not dead still that you rose again, that you're in heaven, that you intercede with the Father for us. Thank you for making that vine. What a beautiful picture, Lord, of a vine and beautiful branches, and we are being pruned to be more like you, Jesus. Father, I just pray that um, you would continue to prune us, that you would prune us for um, your work here on earth so that we can reach those around us to share the love of Christ, to share the saving word of the gospel. 